You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Guys have made it to another hump day. That means we have another Wednesday question and answer episode geared up and ready for you guys to go. Before we get into the question and answer episode, I just want to say to anybody that has not done so yet, please make sure you go back uh, to any of my social media handles. It should be all all of them now and check out the interview that I did. I was featured um, as a part of the Thousand Fearless Fathers campaign with their fathers, which is a group of gentlemen that um, are constantly on the lookout on Instagram for fathers who are involved in their kids' lives and who take pride and and onus in being a dad. So you guys know me, my babies are literally the center of my world, as I stated in the article. So I had to hop on that and uh, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from it. So I want to say thank you to everyone that's, that saw it so far, that's given me feedback. If you have not done so yet, go ahead and check that out. Let me know what you think because our quote of the day comes from none other than me right and I was reflecting on the quote over the past week or so and I'm like what what would be a good quote especially after the interview and in the feature I'm like what would be a good quote that, that would kind of capture and summarize my feelings and I'm like oh I say it all the time and it's actually from yours truly and that quote is the most important role I will ever assume is the role of fatherhood all other roles come secondary. Again, that quote is from me, Tyrone Dixon, and it reads, the most important role I will ever assume is the role of fatherhood. All other roles that I assume come secondary. Right. And it just for me that I came up with that quote a few years back when uh, Abigail was first born, going on about three years now. Wow. Um, and it just it, it made sense. It signified how I felt about parenthood, how I felt as a parent um, at the time and even going forward. Right. So for me, no matter what I do. No matter what I have going on, no matter how many opportunities that are presented, all of my decision making comes and flows from me being a father. Right. So even even up until this point, there's been opportunities that I had to give up um, or pass up on because I, I believe life is cyclical. So there's been opportunities that I passed up on because I wanted to make sure that I was available for my children on an emotional level, on a spiritual level and just just being dad. So um, if you if you know me, you know that that's my M.O. period. If you don't know me too well, that's my M.O. Right. That's that's how it is. That's what it is. And that will never change for me personally. Right. My daughters are top of the line for me. Their their needs come before my own before anything else comes. Right. So as I continue to grow and I continue to prosper in this field of coaching, in this field of business, I want to definitely make sure I keep it top of mind that the most important thing that will ever happen to me has already happened to me. And it continues to happen to me on a daily basis. And that's being a dad. 
Right. So fathers, shout out to you guys that quoted for you. And if you have not done so yet, check out that article that I'm featured in on my social media handles, the Dear Fathers article and the Thousand Fearless Fathers. Shout out to you guys as well. All right, let's get into our relationship and mental health side of things. Question number one, she says she doesn't want us to be irreparable. She feels suffocated, excuse me, in every aspect of life and needs time. But she still texts me good morning. Her life is complex with long work hours and a terrible baby father. What do I do? Once again, question number one is she says she doesn't want us to be irreparable. She feels suffocated in every aspect of life and needs time, but she still texts good morning. Her life is complex with long work hours and a terrible baby father. What do I do? In this instance, I know it can be easy to just say uh, separate or, or leave it, which some people will give you that advice, but I would offer up the advice to be patient, right? If you feel like this woman is worth it, um, you enjoy her companionship, you you feel good when you're with her, or around her, or talking to her, I would say give her some time. Um, those are a lot of layers, right, to be dealing with a lot of stressors in life. Um, then throw in a, a terrible baby father. Right. Those those are all compounding stressors, which makes getting through a day very, very difficult. Right. So if you feel like this woman's um, companionship is worth it, I would say be patient and, and just wait until her life kind of slows down a little bit. But um, when in doing so, I want you to be extremely careful that you're not over compromising yourself and over compromising your feelings. Right. And that means simply not being realistic with yourself. Right. If you run into a situation where you feel like you can't express yourself or you don't feel comfortable expressing yourself um, and your needs and identifying your needs in the situation with this woman, then I think you could be setting yourself up for failure um, because a baby father isn't going to go away unless she gets a new job. Those long work hours aren't going to go away. Right. So if you keep um, kind of falling back or, or sitting back and playing the patient role, it can get a little dangerous uh, for you because you'll you'll get lost in terms of being able to identify your feelings and identify if you truly want a relationship with this woman or if it's something that you've been chasing for so long that you just feel like you got to assimilate once you actually get her. All right. So I say be patient, um, but also be mindful of your own feelings and, and how you feel in a given situation and in a given moment. And if you feel like you're compromising yourself too much or you're bending over backwards too much for this woman, that I would invite you to create some distance between you guys. Because like I just said, the long work hours aren't going to go anywhere or the baby father isn't going to go anywhere, unfortunately. Right. Which is just it's 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 entering you into a situation that could be very, very volatile. Question number two, I don't believe in love. I never have and I never will. It's never worth the pain that you feel. What should I do? Once again, that question is, it comes as a statement and question, I guess. I, I don't believe in love. I never have and I never will. It's not. It's never worth the pain that you feel. What should I do? It sounds like you may have had an experience and please feel free to shoot me an email back if I'm just making assumptions out of nowhere. But it sounds to me like you've had an experience with heartbreak or a relationship in the past in which you you had your heart broken and it, it didn't turn out well, which is, is causing you to kind of build up a defensive wall to love, which 
by by no means am I judging you or am I saying you're wrong for that? I've had my share of heartbreaks and I know that it hurts. It's an extremely painful thing to experience. You can feel like you're you're almost empty um in a lot of cases, right? You're you're a walking shell of yourself. I know and have experienced all those feelings, but what happens is, especially in what it sounds like in your situation is we go through that heartbreak and then we just shut down as opposed to learning the lesson that we're supposed to learn from that heartbreak and from that relationship and carrying that on in our lives to a relationship that'll be more beneficial and lasting, right? So I would invite you to not look at love like it's it's this daunting negative thing but look at it as an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself and make a deeper connection with yourself and also make a deeper connection with other people right you'll you'll see it from here from now until the end of time right people who don't have genuine love in their lives no matter how much money, no matter how much fame, no matter how much notoriety, they still feel empty, right? This, this is where you hear the stories of like celebrities, for example, they get all this money and they, they make it to the top of the mountain, quote unquote, but then they're, they're not happy or they commit suicide or things along those lines. Right. And the reason that is, is because they've, they bust their butt to get to a certain point. Right. And they, they didn't take, considerations for their relationships. They didn't consider love as something important. And they got to this point of achievement, quote unquote, and they realized what what really was missing in their life the entire time was love. Right. And you don't want to be that person. I've seen it happen over and over again outside of celebrities, just regular people in regular life where you, you work so hard to achieve something that you're dismissive of love and the lessons that love can teach you not only about others, but about yourself. Right. So that's my spiel on love. Um, I know it can be very difficult if you've experienced heartbreak to open yourself back up to love and, and to open yourself back up to being able to be- receive love. But love is a part of life. Um, love is a necessary part of life. If you ask me, love and companionship. So the more you shut yourself down to love and companionship, I feel like the more you're isolating yourself and the more you're um, eventually cause yourself to be miserable. So just to reiterate, I know I just went off on a little soapbox there, but I want to get back to answering the question, right? So the the way to start to look at this this negative feeling that you have for love is to reverse that feeling, right? And start to identify where's the lesson that I was supposed to learn in love, right? So do, don't be afraid to do a little reflecting and unpacking of your previous relationship or relationships and see what lesson. And I can almost guarantee you, you'll find a pattern within those relationships. And that pattern is the lesson you're actually supposed to learn that'll help you for that next relationship. Question number three, what are thoughts that destroy love in a relationship? Once again, that question is, what are thoughts that destroy love in a relationship? I think when you start to think about um, a lot about your ex, for example, um, and the things that you guys experienced and the good times you had and all of that good stuff, that could cause you to... Um, not have as much love in your current partner as you used to. Um, thoughts of cheating. So you thinking that they may be cheating is another one. Thoughts of financial insecurity also, right? So can this person handle the money? Is this person capable of getting and keeping a job? Those are huge questions and, and thoughts that kind of lead you to be on shaky grounds with your partner. Any type of thoughts on trust, um, 
understanding, empathy, all of those thoughts. If they are negative, then they can have a negative impact on your relationship. Um, and thoughts of lying is the biggest thing that I've seen. And when you start off, everything starts as a thought. Right. So when you start off thinking about lying and eventually lie, that's a huge way to to destroy trust in any relationship. Right. So those are things that I've seen, common things that I've seen and themes I I would invite you because negative thoughts are, are part of life. Right. We. Sometimes we get negative thoughts that come through our subconscious, right? The the key with love and relationships and lasting relationships and things along those lines is our ability to have those conversations with our partner, right? So it's, hey, sweetheart, I've, I've seen you uh, display this pattern of behavior when it comes to spending money, right? I want to make sure that we're financially secure. I want to make sure that we have our future secure, whatever the, the conversation needs to be right you have to have a certain comfort level with speaking to your partner if you don't have that comfort level with talking to your partner about some thoughts that you may have going on then i would say there's a a bit of a deeper problem in that relationship and that you you need to have a safe space to be able to communicate whatever you need to communicate if your thought if you're alone in your own head with your thoughts you're bound to act on some of those thoughts even if it's a subconscious type of even if you act in a subconscious type of manner right so you do something without even without even thinking about it question number four what is your relationship like with your parents? Once again, that question is, what is your relationship like with your parents? Right now, I would say my parents and I have a phenomenal relationship. Um, I've shared this in the past and on this podcast as well. Um, there's been various times in my life that I've had rocky relationships with both my parents. Uh, not at the same time, thank God, but um, there was a period in time in my life where my dad and I had a rocky relationship. And I think that a lot of that, we've talked about it uh, plenty of times, is was as a result of um, him having different children by different women. Right? So he was stretched thin and bent in different areas. And there were, there were times where I just felt like I needed him um, or I felt abandoned or I felt like maybe I needed someone to talk to that he wasn't there when I was younger. So I think there were times in which I felt some resentment towards that. Um, but, but my dad has done so much in terms of just giving me different perspective and, and teaching me how to, to fail forward, which is the most important thing I think I've ever learned. Right. And that's understanding that, yes, you're going to fail. And yes, it's okay to fail, but you have to continue to move forward and you got to learn the lesson from failure or else nobody will care. Right. And then with my mom, we had a rocky. Actually, my mom and I had started off. I can remember as a kid having a phenomenal relationship. We would spend a lot of time together um, because my sisters who were a few years older than me. They went to school. So I like it would just be me and my mom hanging out. We which. Again, it was a phenomenal experience to have my mom um, be my best friend pretty much from an early age. But my mom eventually started to struggle with substance abuse. And I think probably early teens, so from 13 to about 18 to 20, to be frank with you guys, I, I really, 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 really felt a ton of resentment towards my mom. I felt like she um, she abandoned me and when I needed her and she knew me better than anybody else. And for her to choose substance abuse over or substances, excuse me, over me, I just couldn't I couldn't selfishly I couldn't get past that. I also given myself some grace for the time I was a kid. 
right? So I didn't understand the the addiction that is substance abuse and, and what it can do to a person's brain and the damage it can cause. So um, one thing that I always say that I'm thankful for moving forward is just being able to see my mom's life come full circle. The relationship that my mom has with my daughters, I couldn't I couldn't even have prayed about that relationship. Right. She is she's a one. We say a one. And that just means top of the line when it comes to being a grandparent like there's I've listen, I've not met a grandparent that's that's more willing to engage with their grandchildren, willing to to play and explore and get creative with their grandchildren. And for me, it's just so amazing to see her come full circle because that it, it reminds me of a lot of the things that we did when I was my daughter's age and a little older. So um, to get back to answering your questions, I, I would say that my relationship with my parents right now are phenomenal. It is my hope and prayer. It's something I think about quite a bit um, for them to see me at a, um, a high level of success one day and that I'm able to uh, return a fraction of the things that they've given to me as a man and as a person. Right. So that's that's one of my, my biggest goals is to be able to get them in a position where they don't have to work or um, they can they can kind of live and move freely and be be who they want to be and not who society is forcing them to be. All right. So, yeah, if you can't tell that I'm, I'm in a really happy space when it comes to my parents right now. And the reason why I don't mind going off on that little tangent with my parents is because I haven't always been in a good space with them. Right. I've, there have been times where my parents and I have had rocky relationships. So it's just really, really dope to be to be at this point with my parents. And if you are someone who holds grudges towards your parents, I would invite you to try to look into understanding no matter what their issue is, no matter what they may struggle with. Um, look into understanding because it's it's very hard to have come up during the time your parents came up. Right. I think I think back to substances when when my parents were younger, right? Cause they both got involved in substance abuse in some way, shape or form. But I think back to where my parents were younger and like heroin was the thing or crack or whatever it was. And like the way that that was viewed upon is like weed today, right? You see people smoking weed and it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. They're just smoking weed. But during their time, it was, it was heroin and crack was the weed of the time, which, you know, they, they, they probably went in not having a full understanding of the substances that they were dealing with. Or even if your parents are, are into domestic violence or anything like that, a lot of that is tied into what we saw when we grew up. So try to, try to give a little grace and understanding to your parents if you're in a bad spot with them. If you are fortunate enough to have your parents in your life or they're alive, then you are, you are extremely blessed, right? And don't ever take that for granted. Question number five. Are we searching for love to escape ourselves? Once again, that question is, are we searching for love to escape ourselves? I think in some cases, yeah, that that is an absolute 100 percent accurate statement. And in those cases, I typically see like a childhood wound that has not been healed. Right. So if you didn't get the the love and affection that you feel like you needed in childhood, I've certainly seen people like look for that love and that that empathy and that safe space in other people. 
painful. And then the second they don't find it in their partner, they leave their partner and then they bounce around onto a relationship. Right. So I think there are instances in which people are searching for love um, in order to escape themselves or escape some of the, the deep trauma and things that they have to deal or need to deal with. I shouldn't say have to deal with need to deal with in order to get to the proper love. Right. Which is why I'm always saying that it's very, very important for you to love yourself first before you love anybody else. Right. Because when you love yourself, you're allowing you're allowing the proper love to come into your life. Right. And it makes it easier to decipher the real love from the fake love that people will give, because inevitably you will have your experience with fake love. It's just the world we live in, the society that we're in. So you'll have your experience with that. But when you love yourself, it allows you and prepares you to be able to to quickly separate from them people because they don't have the best interests at heart. Right. So, um, again, just to reiterate, I do think there are people in this world that are searching for love in an effort to escape themselves. But that's not everyone. Right. It's very, very specific to the individual. And if you're fortunate enough to have have found the love for yourself, then it really it really um, it means a little bit different. It looks a little di- bit different when you're loving someone else. Question number six. My mother is forcing me to live out her dream. What can I do? Once again, that question is, my mother is forcing me to live out her dream. What can I do? I think you want to do this as uh, with a a certain degree of finesse and grace. Um, But you have to have the conversation with your mom that this, whatever her dream is, it's not satisfying to you and it's not fulfilling to you. Right. I've seen this time and time again where people kind of live the dream of their parent or live out their parents dream and they get to be an adult. Right. And they get into adulthood and they're absolutely miserable. Right. Because they're not living life on their terms. They're living life on mom and dad's term or their guardian's term, whoever, whoever the person is. Right. They're not living life on their terms. They're not doing the things that they want to do. Right. And it can be intimidating, but as as soon as you possibly can have a conversation with your mom and just express that whatever you're doing right now is not fulfilling to you. You want to try something that may be a little more fulfilling. And then if if that fails, then you will come back and try to do whatever she wants you to do. But if you continue to go, I can tell you with 100 percent certainty. If you continue to go along the line you're going now, living her dreams out, you'll eventually be miserable, not only with with the dream, but her as well. Right. You'll start to feel resentment towards her because it'll be a situation where you're like, I I didn't want to do it. I expressed that I didn't want to do it. And uh, you forced me to do it anyway or you forced me to continue doing it. And now I feel miserable as a result of that. So um, it can be difficult. Mom might not like it, of course, initially. But she'll she'll eventually come to respect your decision because she'll understand that she does. She also does not want her child to be miserable in this short life that we have. All right, let's touch on this insight from a former narcissist. Question number one, how does a relationship with a codependent and a narcissist end? Once again, that question is, how does a relationship with a codependent and a narcissist end? I don't think that relationship ends typically, right? Because that is a perfect relationship for any narcissistic individual, right? You have someone, remember just to kind of go back and reiterate this piece, 
a narcissist wants you to be codependent upon them. They want you to be uh, strictly thinking of them as a person that is going to provide for you, protect you, and they want to isolate you from everything that you've known or quote unquote considered normal. In a codependent relationship, that codependent partner is it naturally flows for them, right? So they naturally attach to a person. And in this instance, they're naturally attached to the narcissist. So you're pretty much giving up all your control to the narcissistic individual. And that's exactly what they want, right? So um, that relationship probably will not end unless uh, the narcissistic individual finds a new supply that they find more appealing. Right. But in, if you are the person that's the codependent person in this relationship, then this is not a good relationship for you. Um, I would invite you to create some boundaries and establish those boundaries and stand firm on them because the narcissistic person is probably really, really enjoying that relationship. Question number two, how do I stop attracting narcissistic and toxic people? Once again, that question is, how do I stop attracting narcissistic and toxic people? My advice for you would be to create some really, really firm boundaries. Um, one thing that toxic as well as narcissistic people hate is someone who has very, very strong boundaries. So for you, that means you're going to say yes to the things you want to say yes to and the things you want to do. And you'll say no to the things that you don't want to do or you don't want to say yes to. Right. When you're around narcissistic and toxic people, they typically expect you to bend or fold in some way, shape or form. So you say one thing, but you'll do another if they poke or they prod or they beg you enough. People who stand firm are the uh, absolute worst when it comes to or I should say worst for the to toxic and narcissistic individual, because that means you're going to, again, do the things that you say you're going to do. Your actions are going to match your words, which means there will be no kind of cracks in your foundation of boundaries that these people can find and seep into and then try to destroy your life. Right. So what you do first is establish some really, really strong boundaries. And the second thing you do to keep it really simple is you stand on those boundaries and you let the narcissist and the toxic person know that you're not folding and you're not doing things just because they want to do them. Question number three, how does a narcissist feel when the partner sees right through them? Once again, that question is, how does the narcissist feel when the partner sees right through them? They feel intimidated, but they're not going to tell you. He's not going to tell you that, right? It, he's probably very, very intimidated when you're seeing right through his BS and you're holding him accountable for his actions. Um, but continue to do that, right? Because he's going to pull out all the stops, so to speak, and when I say pull out all the stops for a narcissist, that means try to create ways to make you feel bad for them, to make you kind of ease off on uh, holding them accountable for their actions just because they they want to, again, be the victim, which is one of their their big characteristics is playing the victim. But don't back off. Right. If you see through their BS, call them out on literally every single thing that they do. Hopefully it'll work out in a positive way for him. Right. He'll start to see the error of his ways and try to change them. If not, at the very least, he'll start to try to create some distance between you and him because he he only likes to have supplies that are that are easily susceptible to the BS that goes on and codependent upon them in a relationship. Right. So for you, keep on pushing, keep on prodding, keep on holding him accountable for his actions and he'll either change or he'll move on. Either way, it's good for you. Question number four. 
What are some things that you have that are narcissists? Once again, that question is, what are some things that you have that a narcissist never will? That's actually a really, really good question. I, I've never been asked that question, but I think it's a good one. Um, and the one thing that, that I'll say is is compassion and empathy for fellow man, right? So that that's something that a narcissist could never have because they're so self-centered and they're always thinking about themselves and what they can get out of people. Um, so having a, a compassion and empathy towards our fellow man, that's, that's something that I'm very, very proud of because um, as I've shared in the past... And as a result, this this became a segment for the Quality of Love podcast. But I was a, a very narcissistic individual myself for a long time. And I lack compassion and empathy for other people. Now that I have it, I see what what it opens you up to, right? Your the quality of your relationships are deeper. The the strain on your heart that you feel for others is genuine, right? It's not fake. Um, you genuinely put your best foot forward. You genuinely give other people the benefit of the doubt. And it's just it's such a free space to be in, as opposed to constantly being on high alert and thinking that someone's always out to get you you have to get over on someone before they get over on you or how can you maximize on a relationship and get the most out of it just when when i operated in in the narcissistic realm i was constantly on high alert psychologically for just anything that could happen and just constantly think about how i can flip relationships so they were in my favor no i don't i don't do any of that man it's uh, i take you for exactly who you are, right? I don't come into any situations with any expectations of you, or I don't come into any situations thinking about how I'm going to get over on you. It's a simple relationship, right? We have the opportunity to establish one. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but I know certainly I won't let anybody get over on me and I'm always looking for a win-win. Right. So those are all things that a narcissist will never possess. And if you have them, it just gives you a better quality of life. Although it may not appear that way, it really does, man. Just thinking in terms of um, where I used to be psychologically during my days as a narcissist and where I am now, a much freer spot, a much better psychological spot, whether they admit it or not. Question number five. Can a person have a few characteristics of a narcissist and not actually be one? Once again, that question is, can a person have a few characteristics of a narcissist and not actually be one? I think the answer to that question would be yes. Um, I think there are a lot of people with narcissistic characteristics, but they aren't necessarily a narcissistic, right? So one um, group of people, I guess I would say, that gets confused with narcissists quite a bit are those who are type A, right? So people who have a type A personality, they're, they are very, very focused on achieving their goals and, and achieving outcomes, which can be offsetting or off-putting to people. And it may make you think, oh, this person only thinks about themselves or they're only concerned with what they have going on. They don't care about anyone else, right? That's not necessarily true. The one thing that that separates a narcissistic individual from any person um, in the regular world, I quote unquote, I guess I'll say, is is their compassion and empathy or lack thereof with the narcissist, right? The narcissists are only concerned about themselves. They can care less about you and what you have going on. 
their only goal and focus is to make sure they can suck you dry or get whatever they can out of a relationship and not give anything in return. Right. That's the hallmark of a narcissist. And I don't think everyone's like that. Right. So, again, you'll get people who are who may become self-centered from time to time and are really, really focused on their goals. That doesn't make them a narcissist. Right. Because they still have compassion and empathy and want to see others win and want to see others achieve their goals as well. It's that person that doesn't want to see other people achieve their goals and will rather maximize um, what they can get out of a relationship. That's the actual narcissist. And finally, question number six, what kind of person would a narcissist instantly dislike upon meeting them? Once again, that question is, what type of person would a narcissist instantly dislike upon meeting them? I think the in instances in which I've I've seen narcissists lose their cool is when people come into the room with more achievements than them, right? And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's bragging or boasting about their achievements, but a narcissist is extremely threatened by an outspoken individual who has achieved a lot, right? Because then they they start to become insecure and they question like, am I the coolest person in the room or am I the person in the room that everyone is attracted to? And terms of energy or flow or whatever the case may be right so people who are are very very confident not well they can be cocky too i guess that because i've seen that that piece work against narcissists as well but people who are extremely confident in their ability to deliver deliver services and also achieve a lot right those people intimidate narcissists because they always want to be the best of the best and the top person in any room so when they enter a room and they're not the top of the top they're usually they're usually intimidated and the person that is the top of the top in the room is a person that they don't like at all right so those are people that i've seen in my personal experiences really really get under narcissist skin and it's actually pretty funny to watch if you've not seen it before get into a room with someone you know who is a narcissist and make sure that someone who's who's a high achiever goes into that room as well and you'll you'll start to see them become extremely uncomfortable in their chair or sitting around standing around it's pretty funny to see that's all we have for you guys tonight. Remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our big Wednesday episodes. Once again, that email address is TQLP20 at gmail.com or feel free to hit us up on our Facebook page, The Quality of Love Podcast. And just to reiterate, guys, because I actually got a question in my email recently. It don't, don't feel bad. It's okay. Um, any questions that you guys send us in to answer on our Wednesday episode will be answered in an anonymous fashion. So you don't have to worry about us disclosing your business or putting your name out there. Right. As always, guys, remember the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.